because this is God's word. So let's pray and ask him to help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for giving us your word, the Bible. We thank you for this wisdom from the teacher, the Ecclesiastes. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might understand uh, this true wisdom and put it into practice in the way that we live and think. Please give us wisdom, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever seen the, uh, the TV show Mythbusters? People are aware of that show? Yeah, getting lots of noise. They're, they're uh, two blokes, so-called scientists. Um, they take some myths, um, some stories, and they do experiments to see if the myths are true or not. Uh, so, for example, there's the story of the child who uh, carries too many helium balloons and gets carried off in, in, in the circus. So, well, they, all right, there's the myth. They say, let's get a child, let's get some helium balloons and see how many helium balloons it takes to get the child. That myth was busted. It took thousands and thousands of helium balloons even to get the child slightly off the ground. Uh, they try the myth that you can use an umbrella as a parachute. That one was busted big time. Uh, they try the myth that uh, water will stop a bullet. can't remember if that one was busted or not. You see the point, they take all kinds of myths and with each one they do the experiment. They try it out, they check it out to see if it's true or not. In the second half of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the teacher is taking on the role of mythbuster. He does experiments. He's still working with the same question that we dealt with last week. Do you remember the question from last week? It's the question of, what gain there is in life. He's asking, what, what can you achieve that lasts? What can you get that you can keep? What is there from all your work in this world that you will have to show for it at the end? The question was way back in chapter 1 and verse 3. It's worth another look, I reckon. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 3. It's the question there. What does man gain from all his labour at which he toils under the sun? Big question, don't you reckon? question that concerns your 9 to 5, 8 to 6, 7 to 7. This is your whole life. What's the point of it all? It's the question. And now, as part of his answer, he gave us some of the answer last week as he talked about the kind of revolving nature of life, but as part of the answer now, he's going to go on to do some experiments to, to, to try out some of the ways that people think they can get gain in life, some of the things that people think life is worth living for. The teacher introduces his experiments in verse 12. He says that he decided to study and explore for himself what gain there is. Verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Now, did you notice there just that slight change in term? Remember the term that we were looking at last week? It was the term under the sun. He was talking about what gain there is under the sun. And that was talking about life as a, as a closed system. Let's, let's exclude God from the picture for the minute. Let's assume that what you see is what you get. That this world that you can see, smell, hear, taste, touch, this is all there is. What is the gain? But, but now there's a slight change in focus. He shifted from under the sun to under heaven. And the moment he does that, he brings God into the equation, as you'll see straight away. He's now saying, well, well let's not just think about life as we can see it. Let's not just assume that what you see is what you get. Let's allow that there is a God who made the world. The thing is, it doesn't change his conclusion one bit. Because the God that the teacher believes in, this is the God who made the world the way it is. He's the one who set it up like this. He's the one who, who, who sets stuff up in a way that you can't change. 
the teacher says you can't untwist what he twisted. You can't count what he hasn't made. If there is no gain, you can't count it. God has set life up so that there is no gain you can make. That's part of his judgment on this fallen world. And so the fact of God doesn't change the way things are. It doesn't change the teacher's conclusion about life. Halfway through verse 13, he talks about under heaven, and then he says, What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. Even with God in the equation, still no gain. Life is still... Hevel. Do you remember the word Hevel from last week? The, the Hebrew word, the word that NIV translates meaningless. Do you remember what it meant? It was literally, it, it's a word that means like a, a breath or a vapor, like that. It's got the idea of being fleeting, insubstantial. Here one second, gone the next. You can't, you can't grasp hold of it, it won't last. The life that God has made, says the teacher, is Hevel. Like chasing wind. And there is nothing you can do to change it. Well, that's the conclusion. And now what the teacher does is he takes us through the experiments that he conducted to reach his conclusion. He takes us through some some myths of gain that he's busted. First, there's the education experiment. The teacher checks out what it's like to be smart. He, He investigates wisdom, compares it with craziness, with silliness, And the conclusion, Hevel, chasing wind. Uh, The more you know about life, the more you see how awful it is. The smarter you are, the more it hurts. Verse 16. Verse 16. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. And also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Busted. The myth that there is gain in education, busted. So to experiment number two. Uh, This time it's forms of pleasure, of achievement, We start with laughter. The teacher decides to hit the nightclubs and party. Of course, it doesn't take long to see through that one. Chapter 2, verse 1. I thought in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? Partying's no good. So let's move on to the grog. Verse 3. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. Uh, The teacher moves on to undertaking great building projects. He decides to to build some better homes and gardens. He decides he's going to fulfill the great Australian dream. Verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Uh, The the teacher also runs the greed is good experiment, tries wealth accumulation, becomes incredibly rich. Verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. 
I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Much better stock market than the current one to be in. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. Uh, the teacher gets hold of the latest in entertainment technology, the ancient equivalent of a flat screen TV with surround sound. Verse 8 again, I acquired men and women singers. Um, he also tries some rock star sex. Gathers a whole heap of groupies to please him, verse 8 again, and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. Can you see what he's doing? He's going all out in this experiment. He's going to try whatever pleasure he can think of, all to see what the gain is, to see what he'll have to show for it at the end. Verse 9, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. So what's the conclusion? What's the upshot? What what, what gain is there in pleasure? Well, the teacher is honest enough to admit it. It was fun trying. Um, The pleasure is pleasurable. Halfway through verse 10. My heart took delight in all my work. This was my reward. This was the reward for all my labour. Might have been fun for a while, but the conclusion of the experiment is clear. There is no gain. It is all Hevel. Verse 11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Busted. Pleasure is not worth living for. Now, uh, at this point, the teacher decides to go back to wisdom. I think he might have a bit of Asian blood in him, this guy, because he's pretty convinced that education's the the key to life. Uh, He has another go to see if education is the answer. He wants to exhaust this topic completely, leave no stone unturned for any successor who might come after him. Verse 12. Then I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom, again, and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? The teacher explores wisdom again. This time he says, look, it is useful. At least if you're wise, you can see how life really is. You've got eyes in your head, verse 13. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The the wise man has eyes in his head while the fool walks in darkness. Wisdom's okay, but the problem is, Wisdom can't gain you anything. Wise people, they end up just as dead and just as forgotten as fools. Halfway through verse 14. But I came to realise that the same fate overtakes them both. And then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not long be remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. Well, the myths are busted. There is no gain to be made. Life is Hevel. Education is Hevel. Pleasure and achievement are Hevel. The thing is, what do you do about that? How do you respond to that reality? I'm one of those people, and I'm sure just about every bloke here is is with me on this one. I'm one of those people who don't get the point of cut flowers. 
Carmelina likes me to give her flowers. And, and sometimes I do, you know, the benefits that come with it and so on. But, but I've got to say, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. They, they don't seem worth it to me. Why would you spend 50 bucks on flowers that someone's cut off? They're going to be dead and in the bin in a week. I don't think it's worth it. The thing is, as far as the teacher is concerned, that's life. Before you know it, we'll all be dead. The moment you're born, your stem is cut. You're like a breath. And you're gone. Soon you'll be in the bin. So what does that mean for life? Does life have no value? Is life, like cut flowers, not worth it? Well, the teacher feels that way for a while. To start off with all these experiments, they lead the teacher to hate life. You work all day, you lie awake at night stressing, and for what? You can't gain anything from life under the sun. All you do for all your work, for all your wisdom, for all your cleverness, for all your your diligence, for all your stress, for all your sleepless night, all you end up with is an inheritance for your ungrateful children. Verse 17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me and who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. Yet he'll have control over all the work into which I've poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labour under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge and skill and then he must leave all he owns to someone who's not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labours under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Start off with the teacher despairs. But then it comes to him. God has set life up this way. That's the way it is. You can despair about the way God has made life. You can become an emo. You can listen to death metal. You can get depressed about it. You can get angry about it. You can make a nihilistic joke of it like Woody Allen or Monty Python. You can rage against the machine. But the thing is, none of it achieves anything. All your whinging, all your grumbling, all your complaining just makes a bad situation worth you. are just making yourself miserable and not achieving anything. I have four children. The other night after dinner, I had three ice blocks. Uh, one of my children wasn't at the dinner table, contrary to uh, my word. And so instead of an ice block, he got a piece of cake. Now, you should have heard the tantrum. I don't want cake. I want an ice block. He hated his cake. He spat his cake out. On and on it went. Now, of course, if there had been no ice blocks, if I'd just given all the kids cake, there'd have been no problem. He'd have just enjoyed his cake. The problem problem wasn't in the cake itself. The problem was in his expectations. The problem is it's not what he expected, not what he wanted. The fact is, life is hevel. The fact is... You can't take anything with you. That is the way God has made it in this fallen, judged world. You might not like it. You might think it should be different. You might prefer a life you can gain from. You might prefer a life where you work hard and use your wisdom and you get stuff at the end. You might like to bring plenty of stuff with you to your grave. But the thing is, as I told my son the other night, you get what you're given. 
So, so, so what's the wise thing to do? The wise thing to do is don't grumble that you haven't got an ice block. Enjoy the cake. Do you see what I'm saying? The wise thing to do is accept life for what it is. A gift of God, a limited gift of God, a gift that comes without lasting gain, a gift that is hevel, but still a gift from God. It's all about, to use the jargon, expectation management. The wise thing to do is to change your expectations, to line them up with reality, to accept life for what it is, and then to enjoy it. Verse 24, here's the wisdom. After all our experiments, after all our philosophizing, after all our thinking, here's the wisdom. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment. To the man who pleases him, in context here, that's the man who just accepts life the way it is, who accepts this wisdom. God gives wisdom, knowledge and happiness. But to the sinner, in context, that's the man who refuses to accept life as God has given it, the man who who decides he's going to try to get gain anyway. To the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Well, can you see what the teacher's done? He's, uh, he's still working with that question, what can you gain from this life? What is there you can get that you can keep? He's done his uh, experiments. He's tried education. He's tried every form of pleasure and, and achievement and he's come to his conclusion, those myths are busted. There is no gain. It's all hevel. It's like cut flowers. Gone before you know it. So, so what do you do with that? What do you do with it? Well, you can deny reality. You can pretend that there is gain. You can work and strive and stress to to try to grasp hold of this fantasy, to try to gain something from life. That's what most people do. That is the way most people are living today. On the other hand, you can whinge about it. You can grumble about it, get angry that life is the way it is. But the teacher says, both of those are foolish. Neither is wise. You're better off accepting life for what it is. Accept the gift God has given. Enjoy it. Enjoy the cake. Don't pretend that it's an ice block. Don't don't whinge that it's not an ice block. Just enjoy the cake. Life may be like cut flowers. It may be very soon in the bin, but that doesn't mean it has no value. It might smell all right for a while. It might look all right for a while. While it lasts, there is some joy. So enjoy it while it lasts. Well, the teacher has done all the experiments. He's busted all the myths. But sadly, very few people today have learned his lesson. The vast majority of people today, including the vast majority of Christians, we live in a fantasy land. We live as if there is gain to be had under the sun. We pursue the myths that the teacher has already busted. There are still people today, and it's not just Asian mums and dads, there are still people today who think that education is the key to life. That, that education will make your life meaningful and significant. Down the street just here, there's a school coaching clinic. And, and during the school holidays, I see all these little kids, I think they go down as far as preschool, all going down to this, 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 this school coaching clinic, getting coaching so that they can get into a selective kindergarten. By the age of four, these poor kids are already in the rat race, as if it matters. But does it? teacher's already seen it. It's okay, education's fine. 
I can understand why, I mean, my mum's a migrant as well. You can understand why they want better life for their children. Education's fine, better to have eyes in your head, but it's not the path to meaning in life. There are plenty of educated fools, and the more the education, often the more pain. A day or two before Albert Einstein died, he and Bertrand Russell issued a joint statement. This is two of the smartest blokes in history, Albert Einstein and Bertrand Russell. This was their joint statement just before Albert Einstein died. They said, and I quote, We have found that the experts who know most are the most gloomy. There you have it from two of the greatest minds in history. Those who know the most are the most gloomy. There's no lasting gain in education. Well, there are still people today who think that life is about pleasure. They live for their party on the weekend. They live for grog. But come Monday morning, it's always the same. Regrets, emptiness. Uh, Walter Lippmann called it, I think this is a really neat phrase, he called it the unhappy pursuit of happiness. The unhappy pursuit of happiness. Uh, or there are people today who try to find gain from their great projects. Let's, let's build a road, build a bridge, let's build a monument, let's build something that will last. They, they think their work will make a lasting difference. People talk about achieving immortality through their work. I like what uh, Woody Allen says about this though. He says, I tell you what, I'd rather achieve immortality the other way, by just not dying. He says, I'd give up everything, all the fame, the movies, the money, if I could just stay alive. There are people, uh, still people today who try to find lasting significance through their home and garden. But of course no one's ever satisfied. Uh, no one would ever watch a show entitled Perfectly Adequate Homes and Gardens. No, no, people always want better. There are people today, still people today, who try to find significance in wealth or in sex. But it's all the same. It might be nice for a while, but the fact remains there is no lasting gain. None of these things are worth living for. All these quests, they are foolish. They are myths and they were busted long ago. We need to learn the teacher's lesson. Life is hell. There is no lasting gain. But then the other thing we also need to see is this. If that's the way it is, there's no point whinging about it. You still get people who think it's noble to rage against the machine, to, 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 to shake their fists at life, to, to curse the meaningless of it all. But again, it's foolish. They just make themselves miserable, and for what? What does all their misery, all their grumbling achieve, apart from perhaps uh, some good music? Nothing. No, we need to learn from the mythbuster. This life is a limited gift from God. Education a limited gift from God. Pleasure, a limited gift from God. None of them last. None of them can give you ultimate gain. The wise thing to do, accept them as they are and enjoy them. I don't know about you, but I reckon this stuff is just liberating. I'm a person who stresses. I'm a person who fusses. I'm a person who, who gets anxious about stuff. I can sometimes get, let life get on top of me as I think about all the things that I've got to do. 
especially this happens to me on holidays. I'm about to go on holidays. Holidays is the time that I, I get very depressed. I start to get stressed about life and what's going to happen when I get back. But, but I've got to say the teacher has really helped me. He's helped me to put stuff in a perspective. I find this so valuable, so liberating. Life is what it is. I just got to stop and say, is it okay now? And not stress about everything else. Now, just before I finish, I do want to remind you that the teacher lived before Jesus. The teacher didn't know about resurrection. The teacher, he didn't know about eternal life. And that does make a difference. It's, it's worth thinking carefully through. I'm not going to do it today, but, but, but through Jesus, there is an eternal aspect to life. There, there's a future without Hevel for those who rely on Jesus. As the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in, in, in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. It is not empty. We need to know that even though the things of this world may be heaven, people themselves are eternal. We ourselves are eternal. And so there is gain in life worth having. There is gain in trusting Jesus and living for him. As I say, more of that in the coming weeks. I don't want to overdo that today because, because I think, I don't want to undermine the teacher's lesson. The teacher's lesson still applies. It is still a true lesson because we still live in a world of heaven. We are foolish if we try to achieve gain from pleasure or education or from this world. We are foolish if we spend our times being miserable about life. We've got to learn this lesson. Accept life as it is, a good but limited gift, and enjoy it. Just feel free to enjoy it with thanks to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you because you have given us much that is good in life. We thank you for uh, the pleasures of, of food and of life and of shelter and of sunshine. We thank you for the, these, these fleeting pleasures that we have even in this world that uh, exists under your judgment and subjected to frustration. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to live wisely in this world. And we thank, thank you, Heavenly Father, that in the Lord Jesus Christ there is true and eternal gain. We pray that you might give us wisdom to know how to live for what lasts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.